I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 206. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I'm super excited about this week's song because it points to a name of Christ that I don't think we've really talked about on the podcast before. One of the seven I am names of Christ, to be specific, in the New Testament. It is a fulfillment of Old Testament messianic prophecy. That's very special and something you can meditate on and only fall in love with him more and more. Cutlass's new song, Shepherd of My Soul, comes straight from scripture. I'm going to mix it up a little bit this week, but let's get into all of that after we listen. When you listen to this whole song, and I hope you do, you will find that it comes straight from Psalm 23. But I'm not going to discuss Psalm 23 on the podcast today. I am, however, going to ask you to study it on your own in light of what we talk about today on the podcast. How about that? All right. I did teach on Psalm 23 way back in episode 14, so feel free to check that episode out as well. But here's something I know. David was a shepherd and thus supremely qualified to write Psalm 23 because it's about the Lord being our shepherd. And not only that, but King David was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself calls himself the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And we're going to head there soon, I promise. But I want to introduce the bite of compare and contrast first. Now, my bites are just Bible interaction tool exercises. These are just habits that I use to interact with God's Word, and when they become part of your repertoire, will be tools that you can pull out to do the same. This week, I want to use the bite of comparing and contrasting, because one way to determine uh, what something is, is to consider the opposite or consider what it is not. This will often bring clarity in ways that just defining or a mere definition cannot do. And I suppose God thought it was a good idea to contrast what what a good shepherd is with one that is not good, too. And I'm going to tell you all about our good shepherd in a minute. But first, I want to head over to Ezekiel chapter 34 to see a description of the opposite of a good shepherd. Okay, now before we begin reading in Ezekiel 34, let me give you some important background information. Ezekiel was an Israelite priest and a prophet. He was taken to Babylon 
in, among the first to be taken to Babylon, uh, first wave of captives from Judah. His book can be divided into three parts. The first two parts are prophecies announcing judgment to both Judah and surrounding nations. And then the final section, the third part, focuses on hope for the future. That is where our focus chapter falls. Okay, so you will see that there is a messianic prophecy included in this chapter, meaning Ezekiel will point to the future Messiah in this prophecy. And we will eventually head over to John chapter 10, where Jesus announces himself as the fulfillment of that prophecy. But first, let's get started reading in Ezekiel 34. All right, verse one, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or even looked for them. All right, as I read this, those are just the first six verses of Ezekiel 34. As I read this, I see a list jump out at me. And making a list is another bite. It's another Bible interaction tool exercise because it'll make it'll force you to go back and make some observations as you're reading in a large group of text. So pull out a notebook, a piece of paper or whatever, and let's make a quick list of the charges against these failed shepherds of Israel. Number one. They only take care of themselves. Number two, they failed to take care of the flock. So I, I know it kind of sounds like number one and number two are the same thing, but he, he said it twice. He pointed it out in two different ways. Number three, they have not strengthened the weak. Number four, they have not healed the sick. They have not bound up the injured, have not brought back strays, have not searched for the lost. And number eight, they rule the flock with harshness and brutality. God brings these charges against the shepherds of Israel. What they are doing is in direct uh, in, in direct opposition to what God has laid out in his law to them. There are even places if you choose to use another bite of following the cross references that you can find out where they are in conflict with God's previous instruction. Take, for example, the charge that they rule the flock with harshness and brutality. Well, Leviticus 25, 43 specifically says, do not rule over them, meaning their fellow Israelites, ruthlessly. Do not rule over them ruthlessly, but fear your God. Okay, so what I find interesting here is that even if we did not have Ezekiel 34, even if we did not have the specific charges that God lists as proof of their failure, we could have made a similar list just by considering the opposite of a good shepherd, okay? I mean, it makes sense that a good shepherd takes care of the flock and binds up wounded sheep and brings back strays. You know what I mean? So here we see a specific list of charges that God lays at their feet. But if you're ever in scripture in a place where there isn't a contrast specified for you, it is still really a useful tool with the information you have at hand or any information that you search for to consider the opposite of something to inform the definition of something else. 
Now, I want to ask a quick question. With what you know of scripture and the verses we've read so far, who are the shepherds of Israel that failed so profoundly? Well, they were the leaders of Israel, the kings that were in charge of shepherding the flock of God. You see, God was always their king, but they rejected him as king way back in 1 Samuel and asked for kings that they could see and that they that would be like the nations that they were surrounded by. They rejected God as king and as a result subjected themselves to harsh and brutal shepherds that portrayed those characteristics that we just listed. All right, so let's keep reading in Ezekiel 34, verse 7. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. So what was the result of this treatment? And by the way, he repeats himself a little bit, right? So he says it again. You didn't do this. So what's the result of the treatment and lack of regard for the flock of God? Well, let's make another quick list just to get our mind wrapped around it. Number one, the flock was scattered. Number two, the flock became food for wild animals. Number three, the flock wandered. And number four, the flock was plundered. I want to insert something here. Um, As a result of poor shepherding, or really the, the lack of shepherding, really, they were plundered. What does that mean? Well, I can look it up in the dictionary. And to plunder something means to rob or steal from to take from wrongfully. And this is going to be important later, so file that one away. But another great bite is to define words. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever listed it as a bite before, so I guess I should have a special, you know, sound effect for when I introduce a new bite. But um, uh, the Bible interaction tool exercise of defining words, I I do it often, so I finally uh, labeled it, right? So let's add it to our list, shall we? So this definition for plunder will show up later in our study. It's that these kinds of links that are so fun as you study scripture. And I want you to get excited about that. So let's consider God's response uh, of, of what we just read. So we talked about what happened to the flock. What was the result? Here's God's response. Number one, first, he's against the shepherds. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I never want God to be against me. Number two, he will hold them accountable. Number three, he will remove them as shepherds and thus their source of provision. You know, it's kind of their career path. And so this is uh, he's going to remove them from their job. All right. And he will rescue the flock. So let's keep reading in verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. 
I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So at this point, God is not content with having others in charge. He's taking over. All right. He's going to rescue the flock and he will accomplish all that the assigned shepherds failed to do. Number one, I'm going to go back to my list, right? So you just write it all out. He will search for the lost. Remember, the hired shepherds had not searched for the lost. Number two, he will look after the sheep. Remember, the other shepherds only looked after their own needs. Number three, he will rescue them from being scattered. Remember, the scattering was a result of the harshness and the brutality of the previous shepherds. Number four, he will tend them in good pasture. Remember, the other shepherds did not strengthen the weak. They didn't tend them. They didn't offer nourishment and rest. Number five, he will search for the lost. They didn't search for the lost. Number six, he will bring back the strays. They did not bring back the strays. Number seven, he will bind up the injured. They did not do that. He will strengthen the weak. They, God specifically said he did. they did not do that. He will shepherd the flock with justice. They ruled with harshness and brutality. Now, in that last, I read it fast, but you might be asking what it means when they when it says the sleek and strong he will destroy. He's referring to the shepherds here. It doesn't say that only... Uh, that only the weak will be tended to and the strong sheep will be destroyed. That's not what it says. The sheep are weak and scattered. The sleek and strong are the shepherds who have failed the flock so miserably and made sure that they had food and they were tended to, which is why they are sleek and strong. So that's what it's talking about. I do want to jump down to verse 23. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Okay, did you hear it? God is saying, enough with this foolishness. You wanted a king. You wanted a king that was not me. And I knew it would go terribly. So I'm going to take it back into my hands and restore what I had in mind all along. My kingship. He says, the Lord will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. Now, when God says that he will place David over the sheep, does he mean literally David? Like David's going to come back to life and he's going to place them over the sheep. No, this is a reference to Jesus who would be born into the line of David, a seed of David. And this is that messianic reference I mentioned earlier. Messianic. What is that, Michelle? Well, the root word is Messiah. And so a messianic prophecy is a prophecy that points to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. And what is thrilling is that Jesus directly speaks to this prophecy in John chapter 10. So let's head over there. Now, even if you jumped in chapter 10, and you didn't know what was going on in the context of John, here you can see that Jesus is speaking. All right, my Bible even has red letters when Jesus is speaking. So let's hear what he has to say in verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. 
The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. All right, that's verses one through six. Now, at first, I'm kind of with the Pharisees, right? So he's using a figure of speech, and I'm not sure what he's trying to say, but let's keep reading and see if he'll explain himself a bit more, okay? Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Okay, I'm, I'm getting it now. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. All right. Did you hear it? Did you hear that Jesus is the fulfillment of all those failed shepherds of Israel before him? He is offering, even what the religious leaders that he was speaking to, he was offering what they had not offered, the lost sheep of God. And we see here one of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the New Testament. In our in our sections of scripture today, uh, in, in John 10, he actually makes two I am statements. This is the first one. I am the gate for the sheep. We are saved by entering into relationship with God through Jesus Christ alone. Okay, did you hear it? Thieves and robbers. Remember the plunder definition we spoke of? All right, we see it here again. Just another connection. But any other way but Jesus is false and leads to destruction and pain of the flock. And he references pasture, which God mentioned specifically in Ezekiel 34. And by the way, in Psalm 23 that our song sings of. And I want to insert here that there is often a misquoted verse here. Verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I've heard my whole life that the thief is Satan, and he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does. So that is a true statement, but it is not what this text is specifically referring to. In this context, I don't want to get crazy about it because, you know, uh, false teachers is really what he's talking about. Those who are going to lead people astray, the but false teachers listen only to the father of lies, which is enemy, which is Satan, right? So it's not that far off, but it's not 100% accurate. And we want to accurately handle the word of God, don't we? All right, let's get back to our focus today, which is our shepherd. And let's keep reading. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as my father knows me. And I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This is so rich and we don't have time to talk all about it. So I really, really, really hope that you will go back and sit in scripture this week. But here's our second I am. I am the good shepherd. 
And this was a scandalous statement because by saying, I am the good shepherd, Jesus is basically saying, I am the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. I am the seed of David. I am the Messiah. And he's hinting at his eventual death here. He knows it has always been the plan since the beginning of time to lay his life down for the sheep. What love and care. What a good shepherd. He's also referring to the sheep that is not of this pen. He's laying the groundwork that that his sheep are not just Israelites or people of Israel, Hebrew people, but they are the Gentile people too. There's just a lot going on here. But what we do know in the very end is that he is the good shepherd. So what's next? Well, we've ended with Jesus as a good shepherd this week, and perhaps that's where you can start in your personal study. Read John 10. We didn't spend as much time in John 10 as we did in Ezekiel. So spend a little time. Maybe use some of the same bites that we used in John 10. Bop over to Ezekiel 34. Clearly see the charges against the previous shepherds of Israel. Then land in Psalm 23. And use this week's song to reinforce the beautiful truths we find there. Where we declare and confess the Lord is my shepherd. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat, and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. And when you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Kelly from Indiana, Joy from Arizona, Parian from Mississippi, Lorena from Ontario, Canada, Eileen from Australia, Ted from Tennessee, Lynn from the UK, and Debbie from the UK. Welcome. New subscribers to my website will benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. And you'll get an email recap of the week's episode and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now, don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes. While you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This encourages me. Of course it does, but it also helps me find new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. And if you are listening to this podcast prior to the first weekend in March 2018, I invite any ladies that are listening or any of those men who have ladies that you love uh, to attend the Heart of Worship Women's Conference in Gonzales, Louisiana. I will be the keynote speaker for the conference. I relish the thought of meeting many of you face to face. You can find out more information by visiting a link to the conference at michellekneezat.com forward slash heart of worship. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Warrior by Hannah Kerr to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 206. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.